Good morning, church. For real? How co- what is up? Good morning, church. Thank you. My goodness. Man, it's great to be back here with all of you. As I love that this is Sunday. Sunday is another day that we can as his church to praise his name. Amen. Now we praise his name and we celebrate life change through his son, Jesus Christ. We do that all the time, every Sunday. And if you are new here, welcome. Welcome to Vertical Church. We love the fact that you are here today. We hope that you enjoy your time with us today and that you just walk through some amazing opportunity to worship our awesome God. And we're going to continue doing that through some of his word this morning. Gang, open your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, your Bibles or your Bible apps. We're starting at verse 36 this morning. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Um, This morning, we're actually continuing the series uh, so much more. And the purpose of this series is found in its title. The idea is in Jesus, we have a life of so much more, so much more life to the full, life of freedom that he has promised us who have surrendered our lives to him and made him the Lord over our lives. But over the years of our lives, the barrier has been put into place. They stand in front of us from fully embracing the everything Jesus has for us. And we look through this, we walk walk through this, understand that maybe it's corruption of the world. Maybe it's some personal disbelief in your life. Maybe there was hurtful people that had come into your life and, and did some things that put a barrier in front of you. Maybe it's past decisions that you have made that you feel like you're not worthy. There could be tons of all these things in our lives that keep us from the best possible life in Jesus Christ. And the basis of this series is found in one verse in John chapter 10, verse 10. You can see it on the screen, and it says, A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I, Jesus, come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus calls these barriers thieves and robbers. In fact, if you go back to the beginning in John chapter 10, you'll see that he calls them thieves and robbers, but they enter and they climb into our lives as one, I think they have authority, but they don't. They climb into our lives for one purpose, and that is to take us down and not, so we're not living the full life to the full that Jesus has for us. And we, that's why we built this phrase we've been walking through every single week we go through this series, the idea that anyone or anything that leads us away from Jesus or the promised life in him is a thief. Anyone or anything that leads us away from Jesus or the promised life in him is a thief. And we've been walking through this each week that we all have these thieves in our, in our lives, these robbers in our lives that are standing right in front of us. We can't embrace life to the full in Jesus because we're not confronting them or not even knowing that they're there. And so for the past three weeks, We've been digging in and identifying these thieves and robbers. And the goal of this, this series is not to just identify these thieves and robbers. The goal of this series is to identify them, call them what they are, and let them be crushed with the truth of the gospel. You know, we can like, hey guys, it's good to have you with us. I'm glad you're in my life. No, 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 no. We want to bring them before Jesus and let them be crushed with the word of truth. You know, because we forget that, you know, in Jesus we have a life is so much more. Because Jesus, in Jesus, we're more than conquerors. In Jesus, we're completely victorious. In Jesus, we are continually victorious. These barriers, these thieves and robbers that are in front of us don't stand a chance to Jesus. And this morning, we're going to take a step into this, what I call a cesspool of thieves and robbers. And we're going to call one more by name. We're going to call one more name and make it come face to face with the truth of the gospel 
And that's our past. You know, too many of God's children have allowed their past to hold them back or to hold them down. They've handed it, we have handed it our past authority over our lives, allowing guilt and shame to rule over us. Our past is a very powerful thief. It reminds us of who we weren't. It tells us who we'll never be. It surrounds us with our shame. It whispers into our ears, we're not worthy of life to the full that Jesus offers. Our past. Now, some of us in this room, we gave our lives to Jesus Christ later in life, and we have a whole life before Jesus as our Lord of things that we have done that we wish no one would ever knew. And they, if I opened this door and you really knew what was in my past and what I did and how I lived, and the church wouldn't even want me around, Jesus wouldn't even want me around. We have that kind of past that we feel is there. You know, and then we, we walk through this and we feel like we never have or what Jesus has for us. They're telling us that we're a failure. And these memories keep on coming to the forefront of our mind at the worst times of our life or at any time of our life, and it squeezes us from the inside out. They become a dominating presence in our, in our thought pattern, these memories of what we've done. And they say we'll never be the, all that God has given us. We'll never be all that Jesus called us to be. You know, others, others of us in this room, you gave your life to Jesus Christ when you were a kid. You're really thinking, I don't have a past. So you might be wondering, like, how in the world is this conversation going to relate to me? Because I'm not sure if that, that past exists for me. Well, then as I look across the room, I see a bunch of human beings, right? Humans are creating God's image. But as I look at scripture, it says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So every single one of us, either before or now or after, we all have fallen short, sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And with those things in our lives, we have them in our life. And I'm confident if it's with Jesus at a young age or with Jesus older in age, we all have these things in our past, even with Jesus that we have done that don't honor God. And whatever these things are, may they be in the back of your mind or the forefront of your life, there are barriers from what God wants to do in your life. The truth is, it really doesn't matter how you and I approach this conversation this morning. Because the answer is the same for every single one of us. The answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus. We're going to bring them all to Jesus. And as we step to the scripture this morning, I want to introduce you to or reintroduce you to a real life story of a real person with a real past. And when we start looking at the scripture, how God intended it from his perspective... It will allow us to walk our past right up to Christ, and the outcome for us is freedom. And I think everybody in this room wants freedom from some things that are in their lives. So you're open up your Bibles, open your Bible app. I hope you have them with you on the screen. We're in Luke 7. And Jesus is all in in his earthly ministry. He was traveling around, healing people from diseases. He was raising a widow's son from the dead. He was casting out evil spirits. He was giving sight to the blind. Let me just say this. Jesus was, you know, doing everyday Jesus stuff because that's pretty much what Jesus does. And then one day, he was invited to a Pharisee's house for dinner and things get a little more interesting for us this morning. So we're going to slow down and step into this, this passage starting at verse 36. When one of, the, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. 
A woman in a town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him, his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them off with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. Let's just stop right here for a moment. Did you catch what was taking place? Did you see what just happened in place? This woman who some scholars believe was a prostitute or had, was living an immoral lifestyle, heard that Jesus was in town and she went to him. Now, this is, this is not even in my notes, so I thought about this morning as I was praying. So often, we know we hear the answer and we don't go to the truth. Like, okay, the truth is Jesus, but we take what was wrong with us to, to other people. The truth is Jesus, we don't take it to the scripture, we take it to other situations. She heard that Jesus was in town, she learned that there, and she went to him. She not only came to him, but she brought her whole self to his feet. She knew where she was, she knew who was before her, she knew what she had done in her past. And she brought it all to the feet of Jesus. So I got to ask you, what in your past needs to hit, hit the feet of Jesus? What in your past needs to hit the feet of Jesus? What have you been carrying around for too long that needs to become before the King of Kings? What are you being holding on to? What have you been hiding? What has been in your past that's been ruling over you and your life that needs to be in front of the ruler of life himself? What is in your past? What is it? What are you holding on to that needs to hit the feet of Jesus? I want to be clear here for a second, and this is important, that she didn't just stand there, she didn't just stand there from a distance. She came to Jesus with her everything, including herself. And when we bring our past before the throne of groom of grace, we need to be right there with it. It's not something that we throw from a distance. Say, hey, Jesus, just take all my junk. Here you go. And walk away. We need to be right there with it. Lay everything down at his feet and be there with it because as he brings his healing into our life and as we're in his presence, his mercy and grace are poured over our lives. There's no holding back when it comes before Jesus. We can't walk up to Jesus, hey, big guy, can you just take care of this for me? I'm going to do some other things. I got, you take it, I got me, all right? Can, is that how it works? No. It doesn't work that way. Friends, God wants all of us. All of us. Not just our junk. Oh, he'll take all of our junk for sure. But he wants all of us there so he can pour out into our lives. Not only will he heal from what we're dealing with in our past, he will strengthen us, give us everything we need for the future. But we need to be right there, all in. Do you get it? Do you get it? 
So does Jesus have all of you? Does he? Does he have all of you? I mean, we've been walking through this series together, trying to break free of the thieves and robbers in our life and pleading with God to take it from us and bring it to the feet of Jesus. But does he have all of us? Are we present with him? Giving him our everything. Maybe it's better said this way. Are you holding back on him and asking him to give all of his self for you? You know, this woman brought probably the most valuable possession that she owned in her life, this alabaster jar of perfume. This could have been her only inheritance that was given to her from her parents. You know, Pastor Jacob and I were talking through this this past week. You know, some scholars believe that what she had was meant to be, meant to be for her husband. It was to be poured out on her husband as a sign of commitment and devotion to him. And she came before Jesus with all her junk of her past and laid it down at the feet and poured out her devotion and commitment unto the feet of Jesus. As she was saying to, as she was saying to him, I am all in, I am all yours. Church, that's what God expects from us. We can't walk up to him and say, hey, take care of my junk and just go and live our own life. He wants all of us. To be clear, as we come to Jesus, as we come to the feet of Jesus, and we bring these thieves and robbers that are in our lives to his feet and asking them to take care of them and rip them out of our lives, they will be working overtime to overcome us. It won't be easy. Look at this at verse 39. It says, when the Pharisee who invited him, invited Jesus, saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Right in the middle of the process of her surrender, the thief of a guy named a Pharisee was trying to hold her down. This is who you are. This is who you were. This is what you have done. You don't deserve to be here. You don't deserve Jesus. And if he fully knew who you were and what you had done, you would be rejected by him too. Come on, church. How many times have we had those thoughts running through our head? As we come up to Jesus with our surrender, that we have these things in our minds being whispered in our ears saying that we, we don't belong, we don't deserve what he has for us because what we have done in the past. How many times have we come up to do just that and our past reminds us what we have done that we don't belong in front of him? How many times? You know, uh, years ago, Back when I was 16, so you don't know how old I am, but you can figure out the math. It was quite a long time ago. Um, I attended a youth group. It has a group of people, uh, husband and wife invited my brother and I and a friend of ours to hang out in this youth group. Um, and I didn't know Jesus, but we decided to go. 
if I'm being completely honest, is because there was a couple cute girls that would ride along in the vehicle with us. And I was like, hey, there's cute girls. I'm going to go hang out at this youth group. I don't know about this Jesus guy, but the girls are there. This is pretty amazing. So that's kind of, oh, it wasn't the purest of intentions, but I'm just being honest with you. That's kind of how we went because um, these cute girls. And so one day, uh, we attended youth group for a little bit and hanging out with these, these girls and sang some songs. I I don't remember, but um, we were there and we said, well, hey, we're going to go ride our bikes because that's what you do when you're 16. You don't have a license. You ride your bikes, right? And I'm going to go check and meet these cute girls and we're going to check out their house. So me and my buddies, we, my brother and my friend went to the, the girl's house and we thought we were really cool and we walked up to the house and knocked on the door and, and I'm thinking this is going to be amazing. And then the mom answered, and she, the way she looked at me, I pretty much thought that she saw Satan himself standing at her door. I'm thinking, oh, great, this is not going to be good. Um, now, just be said, just be honest with you, um, she didn't invite me in. Uh, she didn't invite me in in any hospitality or anything like that. She just kept on looking at me like, what are you doing here? And if I'm being completely honest, I had a sweatshirt on that was very inappropriate at the time. And I didn't have a good reputation in town and as a good kid. And so she's probably thinking, why is this hoodlum sitting here? Um, but you know, but after that day, I never, never went back to youth group. I never went back. And then years later, Years later, Steph and I were married, and we moved back to our hometown area, and we're looking for a church to, to attend. And on a Sunday morning, we came to this local church that we heard about, and we didn't know where to go or how to get in, so we went to the park in the back. We walked in the back door into this fellowship hall. As we're walking in, wondering what we're going to walk into, and I hear from across this fellowship hall, Richie Clark, what are you doing here? And as I looked across, I see my friend Jenny, which was one of the girls we went to youth group with that my friend thought was really cute. And I'm thinking, oh man, well, Jenny, I'm here to go to church. Why are you here? And that's how we started the whole conversation. And then we started attending this church and we joined a small group. And one night we had a cookout and what we did in our small groups, we every once in a while we have a cookout and we invite all the family. So we have this amazing cookout with all these people and we're hanging out, having a good time. And Jenny's older sister, Trisha, came. Now, Trisha was the one I thought was cute. And I'm like, oh, there's Trisha. She's here. That's great. And she walked up to me and we're having this conversation. And she said, so, um, you believe in all this God and Jesus stuff? And Trisha, at that point, she had walked away from Jesus. Um, and I said, yeah, I, I do. Jesus has changed my life. You know what the very next words were out of her mouth? The sentence that came out to her, came out of her mouth to me at that moment? What about your past? What about your past, Rich? I mean, do you think that you have, what you have done in the past, that Jesus can forgive you? Do you think the things that you have done, that he knows that he's actually going to forgive you? I mean, come on, Rich, I know you. I know who you are. I've known a lot of things that you've done. Do you really think God will forgive you? Now, right now, many of you in this room have the same questions rolling around your head 
They may not be said to you by a person, but maybe they're being spilled out to you in your mind from a thief and a robber. Do you really think that you're worthy of what Jesus has for you because of your past? Do you think that Jesus really can forgive you? You're told, maybe people in your life, they're a stronghold in your mind. And sometimes it just feels like we're losing. And I can't believe that I'm the only one that has those thoughts. The only one in this room that's dealing with a past. And that's why we have to hear how Jesus responds to this Pharisee who was still holding this woman down. Look at verse 40. It says, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. I think it's interesting he called him teacher, but he really wasn't learning anything from Jesus. That's kind of how my teachers felt when I was in school. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them loved him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had a bigger debt forgiven. Well, you have judged correctly, Jesus said. And then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me, any, give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured out perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. Whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And here's the idea that I want you to get this morning. And Jesus turns and looks at this woman, and he says, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And that is huge for us. So we walk through this idea of dealing with a thief and a robber in our life called our past, that we can't get past ourselves. We need to realize that our sin has been forgiven. Your sin has been forgiven. As you come before everything and give them everything, our sins have been forgiven. Let me say it again. Your sin in Jesus has been forgiven. The sin of today, your sin of tomorrow, and most definitely and completely the sin of your past, your sin has been forgiven. I don't care if it's been 20 years or been 20 weeks or 20 hours in Jesus, your sin has been forgiven. Friends, that is the gospel. Us coming for Jesus, laying everything at his feet, surrendering all of us to him, all of our junk, making him the Lord over our lives, asking and seeking forgiveness. And when we do, when we do, Jesus looks at you, Jesus looks at me, and he says, without hesitation, without doubt, and pure love and acceptance, your sins are forgiven. This woman, all her past, with all her thieves, heard 
those four words and it changed her life forever. Your sins have been forgiven. Let that rest there for a minute, friends. As you let that rest in anything in your past that you're, that you're holding on to, that's holding you back, your sin has been forgiven. In Jesus, we receive a life of so much more because our sin has been forgiven. Do not let that past be that thief or robber steal what God has for you because you don't feel that that sin has been forgiven. Because if you're holding on to it and it's a bear in front of you, it doesn't belong there. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and forgives us our sin and purifies us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9. So when Trisha threw all that in my face, as I'm standing right there in front of all my new friends and old friends, I looked at her square in the face and I said, Trisha, my sins have been forgiven. My past is no longer a burden on, me, on my life or in my life because my Savior proclaimed victory at the cross. That's the truth. Then why don't we believe it or live it? Why do we still carry the baggage of our past? Aren't you tired? Aren't you tired of carrying around with you? Your sin has been forgiven. We said this last week, but too often we forget that in Jesus, we step up to the battlefield of life, already having victory. That means our past no longer dictates our future. Our past is not proof. It's not proof of our worth, worthlessness. Our past is a truth that points to his worthiness. Revelation 5, 12, right? Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Why? Why was the lamb slain? To pay the price for our sin. So in a life surrendered to him, we experience this freedom because we have been forgiven. He's worthy. Our enemy won't like this. The world won't want to accept this. And our past will want to reconcile to this. And every day as we move forward, the power of Jesus' authority will be questioned by other people, even by us. 
Look what it says in verse 49. This is crazy. Jesus just threw out a truth bomb, right? Your sins have been forgiven. And then we turn around. The other guests around them, amongst themselves, are saying this thing. Who is this who even forgives sin? Who is this guy who can do such a thing? Who is this Jesus that he thinks he can forgive sin? Who is this Jesus that thinks he can forgive my sin? It must not be real. I just finished a book, uh, reading a book by Louis Giglio called Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. And I love how he writes about this. This is the enemy speaking, the thieves and robbers that are speaking into our life. Look at this on the screen. This is what he wrote. He said, well, now I see that you're a Christian. I see that you believe that you're going to heaven when you die. Well, that's just great. But I'm going to make sure that your life feels like hell right now. Pointing out to you everything wrong you've ever done, every wrong thing you're, going to, you're doing right now, and everything wrong you're going to do in the future. That is our enemy speaking. That is our thieves and robbers speaking into our life. And when they do, they want to fuel our hearts, fill our minds, and this overarching with one thought, and that is shame. When we give power to our past, we carry a truckload of shame. Guilt and shame are two very power motivators. <laughs> motivators for us to believe that our sins are not forgiven. They make us feel defined by our past. Shame slides in and intertwines with our identity and makes us feel unworthy of God's love and Christ's best. But as I read through this book, the book, this, this book that those of us who have given our life to Jesus Christ, this is the authority of our lives, right? We come to this, as I read through this, there is no room for shame with a life with Jesus. There's only room for his love. Even if we look back at the beginning of all things, back with Adam and Eve in the garden, look what it says in Genesis 2, verse 25. As Adam and his wife Eve were both naked and they felt no shame. Okay, we're not going to talk about the naked part because it makes everybody feel a little weird. But there was no shame. Simply meaning we're standing before God. They were standing before God with nothing on and before him and there was nothing in, in his presence that brought shame into their lives. It was only sin that brought shame. But being in the perfect presence with God, there is no shame. And that is true, still true for you and me. Not that we're perfect. Lord knows that I'm not. But in his perfection, in Jesus' perfection, in his perfect sacrifice for sin that paid the price for our, our sin, there's no room for shame. It's not for us to carry. In Jesus, it's not for us to hold on to. Because... In Jesus, our sin has been forgiven. I 
I don't care if you walk out with anything else, but I said this morning, if you can grab those four words, your sin has been forgiven. Is that four? Five? I skipped school. Even when the world tells you it's not true. Even when those who are in our lives say it's not true. Even when our own doubts start creeping in the front of our minds. I want you to hear Jesus' words. His mouth to your ears. Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Isn't that what we want? Like when we're filled with guilt and shame, we're carrying around a past, we don't feel peace. We're unsettled. And so what we need to do is say, hey, past, meet the perfect peace of Jesus. Amen? Enough said, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank for who you are. We thank you for your love for us. And more importantly, we thank you for Jesus Christ that makes the love that you have for us overwhelm us. That you loved us so much, you sent your one and only son to die on the cross for our sin. And that in him conquering death, in our lives under two, we can conquer it too. Lord, I know I can't be the only one in this room that has a tendency to carry the past is such baggage in our lives. And how sometimes we're getting ready to do something with you and for you and our past jumps in and says, no, 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 you're not able. You're not capable because what you've done in the past. So I don't know who in this room needs to hear that truth this morning. I don't know who is carrying the baggage of the past. I don't know who is letting that thief and robber have so much control. But God, I pray right here, right now, that the truth of the gospel will crush it. That they'll realize they don't need to carry that anymore. That their sins have been forgiven. No longer given power to the past. But let you and Jesus Christ dictate their future. And maybe you're in this room this morning and your past has been holding you back from accepting Christ. You love coming to church, you love being around the people, but you think that Jesus isn't for you, doesn't want you because what you have done in the past thinking that it can never be forgiven. You can never be forgiven what you have done. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, that will be crushed. If you're in this room and you're ready to surrender and you give your life to him, he is right here. Open arms. And as you surrender completely, wholly to him, he will look to you and say, your sins are forgiven.
Right now, I'm going to invite our prayer team forward. And if that's you, I'm going to invite you to come forward at the end of service. Talk to our prayer team. They want to have a conversation with you. They want to share the truth with you as you lay down your life at the feet of Jesus. All of you. And maybe you're in this room and you have this passage that you look, hey, Rich, I've given my life to Jesus, but I just can't get rid of it. Come forward and pray. Pray with us. Hand it off. Put it at the feet of Jesus. No one in this room is greater than another. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. We all have our junk. We all come to the same Savior. So if you have something that you can't get rid of, that you've been holding on to, man, we would love to pray with you as you let it go. I don't know what it is. God does. And he's been waiting patiently for you to let it go. Will you give it to him? Give him all of you. Father, I thank you I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you that Jesus does change everything. It's in his name I pray. Amen. God bless church. Have a great week.